This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, and welcome to the Dynamic Duel podcast, where we review superhero films and debate the superiority between Marvel and DC by comparing their characters in stat-based battle simulations. I'm Marvelous Joe. And I'm his twin brother, Johnny DC. And in this episode, we will be discussing who would win in a fight between Raven versus Phoenix. And not only discussing it, but coming up with the definitive answer through our own patented Monte Carlo system. It's not patented. It's not really patented. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's very accurate. If, if you guys have listened to this uh, show before, you know how this is done. We're going to go ahead and compile the stats from each character and then run them through a simulation that compares their stats and determines the actual winner. I'm excited about this fight because it's been a while since we've actually done a duel. It feels like it's been yeah, like it's th- been, yeah, three weeks. Yeah, Comic-Con and then like some reviews and stuff. I'm excited. I'm stoked right. for this one. Uh, the reason we're doing Raven versus Phoenix is because we're kind of riding the Teen Titans train. As you know, <laughs> the, in our last episode, we reviewed Teen Titans go to the movies. Yeah. And we kind of wanted to follow that up with a duel with one of those characters. Yeah, Raven is probably one of the more popular characters on that show. Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorites. So I think she's a good match for Phoenix. People are probably more familiar with Jean Grey. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people right now are just like, dude, <laughs> Raven's going down. It's, it's, nope. it's Phoenix. No way. Jean no Grey's, way. Jean Grey's the shit. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, go ahead and look at the chapter times in our episode description for when that duel happens later on this episode. Before we get into the duel, we're going to go over the comic book movie news over the past week yep. in which we will be discussing uh, the Venom official trailer too. We'll be talking about the Birds of Prey movie possible synopsis and villain reveal. This was just announced. A Supergirl film is in the works at WB, so we'll talk about that. And uh, at Sony, we'll be talking about a Craven the Hunter film that's allegedly in the works. And again, just a quick reminder, if you visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dynamicduel, you will be treated to a bonus episode of this show every Thursday. This Thursday, we will be counting down the top 10 Marvel and DC film posters of all time. Which was hard. That was a really hard one to do, but <laughs> go ahead and check that out again at patreon.com slash dynamicduel, and you can get access to all of our uh, bonus episodes for just two bucks a month. One of our goals on Patreon is to get to 25 patrons so that we can start printing out our versions of the no prize that we award to one listener every week print it out and actually mail it to them we think that'll be pretty cool to do so go ahead and help us out by visiting our patreon page and signing up you uh not only help us out but you also get that bonus content speaking of no prizes it's no prize time 
So a no prize is an award that Marvel used to give out up into the 90s for fans who spotted errors in their comic books. Our version, the Dynamic Dual No Prize, is a digital award that we post on social media that I personally draw for those who we feel gave the best answer to our question of the week. Last week's question was, out of all the newly acquired characters from Fox, like the X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Silver Surfer, which individual character are you the most excited to see in the MCU, and who would you cast them as in the reboot? And we probably got more answers for this question than any other question we've ever posted. Yeah, we got a lot of people excited about this Fox acquisition by Disney. So we want to give honorable mention to James Bolton, who gave the answer Wolverine. He's most excited to see Wolverine and would like to see him played by Luke Evans. Yeah, and Tim Brown also gave the answer of Wolverine, but he wanted to see him played by Christian Kane. And Matthew Lopez also gave the answer of Wolverine, wanted to see him played by Tom Hardy. That's a popular one. Yeah. Marcus Turner gave the answer of Storm, who he wanted to see played by Nefessa Williams, who's on the Black Lightning show. Yeah, she plays Thunder. Yeah. Rick Story is excited to see Deadpool in the MCU, but he didn't recast him. You know, obviously it's got to be Ryan Reynolds. So. Right. Hunter Holmgren chose the Silver Surfer, played by either Joel McHale or Donald Glover. Someone's a community fan, <laughs> as am I. Uh, George Kronitis gave the answer Silver Surfer as well, and he would like to see him played by John Hamm. He gave two answers here, including Galactus, who he would like to see played by Morgan Freeman. And then Michael Raven Charns uh, chose Dr. Doom, who he wants to see played by Tom Hardy. And Ken Johnson also gave the answer Dr. Doom. He said Idris Elba would make a good Dr. Doom. That's cool. And the last of the honorable mentions goes to Adam Spees for the answer of Dupe, played by... Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> that was a fantastic answer. I love answer. the answer. I laughed out loud. Uh, but the winner of this week's no prize goes to a Mr. Jamie Evans, who is most excited to see Mr. Fantastic, played by John Krasinski. And the reason I picked this as my favorite is because it's the one that I could actually see happening, the one I really want to happen the yeah. most. In one of our bonus episodes that we have on Patreon, where we pitch each other on movies that aren't in active development, I pitched Jonathan on a Fantastic Four film in yeah. which I cast Andrew, Andrew Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. But it was right after I did that pitch that A Quiet Place came out, and they started talking to John Krasinski about maybe joining the Marvel Universe, becoming Mr. Fantastic, yeah. and having his wife, Emily Blunt, play Sue Storm. And just the, the concept of that gets me so excited. Like, it raises my pulse. And it was I like the day after we released that bonus episode. I really liked your casting of Andrew Lincoln, but right after that, I was like, oh man, John Krasinski, that's way better. Yeah, just because you would have that natural chemistry and that family dynamic yeah. already set. Yeah, totally. So yeah, congrats to Jamie Evans. You win this week's No Prize. So look for that on social media. And if you would like to win a dynamic dual no prize, stay tuned to this episode when we give a new question of the week. On to the news. So over the past week, we got uh, the second trailer for the Venom film. And I have to say that I think personally, this has been the best one so far. As we all know, the first bit of marketing we got for this film was that initial teaser trailer that, that didn't, didn't even show Venom. Didn't show anything. It didn't show Venom. And it said the movie title was V and everything like that. Yeah. It was horrible. The second trailer was decent. We actually got to see the symbiote of Venom and he said, we are Venom and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. That was pretty neat. But in this one, we get to see a whole lot more of the character. Right. And I have to say, I like what I'm seeing, at least in terms of how Venom looks and how he speaks and just the symbiotic nature of him. Yeah, I wasn't sure we were going to get to see this footage. Like, I didn't know this trailer was coming out, but it looks like a lot of it was also footage that was shown during Comic-Con. Right, exactly. I have to say that while I'm, like, excited by seeing Venom on the screen, 
I'm still not convinced one way or the other as to whether or not this will be a good movie. Like, Venom looks really cool, I have to say. But the movie itself, there's still something a little weird about it, a little bit off about it. It has aspects of a really bad monster movie to it and maybe that's the appeal maybe that's what they're going for and they're going to actually make it like you know a good movie yeah it does have really good talents you know with tom yeah. hardy and the director so yeah really this could go either way for me still but let's talk about what happens in the actual trailer it starts off with like the world's worst edited voiceover <laughs> where he's like my name is my name eddie, is eddie brock. brock i'm a reporter sometimes i look things that the government doesn't look into <laughs> i guess just splice together so it, it starts off not that great when i was first watching it, i was like oh god what, what are they doing here but then once he says that he's been taken by this thing that he found yeah that's when the trailer starts to get really good i think and you see riz ahmed talking to this guy behind this glass a test subject and he's talking about how humans yeah. are expendable but humans mixed with symbiotes are like in the new future stage of evolution. Yeah. Yeah. And we see like the symbiote crawl up this dude's leg, go into his dick hole and then come out of his mouth. <laughs> Seriously, it like went up into his crotch. It did. It like latched itself right there. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. It was really creepy too. It was. It was creepy. He looks like some kind of like contortionist yeah. kind of actor. They probably did hire some kind of contortionist for that role. Yeah. We get another shot of uh, Eddie freaking out in an MRI room. Uh, and now the MRI scene from the first trailer, like, sort of makes sense now that they're, like, splicing in other shots of, like, the symbiote there. Right. Yeah, it looks like running the test affected the symbiote, and so it's, like, freaking out with him. Yeah. We see some more shots of him attacking those guys in the apartment a little bit more than what we saw in the trailer previous to this. I'm hoping... Like, they didn't give that whole scene away, because yeah. there's only so many guys that can fit into that apartment, and I think we've seen him beat up all of them at one point or another between these two trailers. That's true. But the thing that got me really excited was when Venom kind of, like, protruded himself out, and we see Venom's head, and they're, like, talking to each other. Yeah, that part looked pretty fake. There's a few spots in this trailer that look pretty fake. That was one of them. Yeah, the eyelines are a little bit off, yeah. but it reminded me so much of the comics, especially uh, Humberto Ramos's art from the uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man. Oh, I, I love, actually love his Spider-Man. I love his art. Yeah, his take on Venom kind of redefined the character in a, in a way. Like We learned that the symbiote feeds off of adrenaline and things like that, and that, and that Eddie Brock had cancer yeah. in that storyline and things like that. It's quite the abusive relationship that they actually share. Like... Venom enjoys almost torturing Eddie Brock because that's how he gets that adrenaline rush from him. Mm -hmm. You know, dropping him off buildings and then catching him at the last second and then yeah. absorbing that and stuff like that. So I don't think Venom's going to feed off Brock's adrenaline in this movie. But as long as that relationship is there, mm -hmm. it's going to be fantastic to see on the screen, I think. I do think it's interesting how, even though they have that abusive relationship and how he kind of doesn't want the parasite in him, when he gives the line that it's not entirely awful... Yeah, I think that's what he says. It, it creates an interesting dynamic. I wasn't expecting that. But the, the line delivery from Tom Hardy is, is, is fantastic. It really sells me on this like anti-hero kind of character. Yeah. The shot where Venom comes up off of the street and lifts the guy up in the air. I just like the way he said the word pancreas. I know Tom Hardy does the voice work for Venom as well. Yeah. Sounds like he's doing his Venom voiceover like with like his nose plugged. He's like pancreas. But he also has this sort of accent. I can't. I don't know what the accent is. Pancreas. Pancreas. I do like not just the effects that they did with the voice, but I do like his accent kind of. It's, it's kind of weird. It sounds really dark. He sounds very sinister and villainous. It's not bad. It's creepy as hell. Like, I think a lot of people find that line cheesy where he's like, you know, so many snacks. Yeah. 
But personally, I didn't quite get that. When I first saw the trailer, I was like just thinking what it would be like to be in that guy's place that he's holding and how I would be shitting my pants at the moment. (laughs) Because like he's a scary monster figure, but he's not stupid. He comes across as like a very intelligent character where you believe everything that he's saying. So if he says that he's going to eat your pancreas, you fucking believe him. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, if he's threatening to eat people all the time, he better deliver on that in the movie. You know, if he doesn't bite somebody's head off during the course of this film, I'm going to be so disappointed because you see later on in the trailer where he just like throws that guy. So obviously he didn't eat him. Yeah, maybe, you know, but that wasn't the worst line of the trailer. I thought that sat okay with me. Yeah. But later on when he's threatening to eat someone, I'm kind of jumping ahead here. That's fine. And he's talking about how, like, they're just going to be, like, this faceless, armless thing rolling in the street like a turd in the wind. That's a horrible line. I was like, what? Good God, that's a horrible line. I hated that. Yeah. Like, who wrote that line? They should have just ended the trailer with the title card. Yeah, they could have totally done that, and I think this would have been better. I mean, don't get me wrong. He looks really cool in that bodega, you know, threatening the guy. But I don't think the guy looks scared enough. The no, guy's just yeah. kind of like, he's, the guy's like shaking his head like, no, no, yeah. who are you? No. In reality, like, if a you know, monster was like saying, I'm going to eat your head off, I'd be like, fuck, no, God, please. <laughs> Totally, absolutely. I'd be like, there's a turd crying in the wind in my (laughs) pants right now. Is what I'd be saying. But it's scary, but it's cheesy. That line is cheesy. I feel like that whole scene kind of takes place like later on in the film when he's sort of like accepted his anti-hero kind of role. Because he like smiles when he says we are Venom. Like it just gives us like a slight smile. Yeah. Like he shows like half his face. Right. So I feel like he's come to like accept that the symbiote is part of him. And in a way, I kind of feel like that's a spoiler. Maybe. Along with the line that it's not completely awful, but I'm not too upset by it. I almost feel like this scene might be like one of the last shots in the movie because he's like, I have a parasite. You know, he's come to terms with it. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's not trying, he's not struggling with it or anything. He's kind of given into it. But yeah, I hope he bites this guy's head off. I hope we see like the violence, you know, hopefully they keep it rated R. That's what the rumor is because that's the appeal of this film. We have yet as an audience to root for a superhero protagonist who is so gruesome with his enemies. yeah. Yeah. biting heads off like usually get a punch or a kick or maybe in the puncher's case you know a shotgun blast to the face or something like that we've never seen a protagonist like just rip somebody apart and normally i think that it would be hard for an audience to accept to like root for something so violent and monstrous but the villains here look pretty good yeah they look pretty gruesome so it's riot who's basically just a grayer version of venom it looks like which yeah. is kind of weird because you know, hopefully it's easy to tell the difference between the two symbiotes as they're fighting on screen. Right. Because there's not too much contrast there between the villain and the hero. You know, they look pretty similar. And it looks like Riot was the one who created the axe hands. Like people were saying it was right. Venom in the well, Comic-Con we said footage. That. Yeah, we yeah. said that. And yeah, so did people yeah, on Comic-Con footage. But yeah, it was Riot. And that looks so cool. Yeah. The axe hands. It's a real carnage move. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, the same thing with that woman who does like the T-1000 armed sword. Yeah. And just like slices that guy's throat. Yeah, and then later shoots the spikes out of her back that yeah. impale everybody. Yeah. I think the special effects are pretty good where we see Riot pulling Venom's face off of Eddie's. Yeah. Kind of. He's like yeah. ripping the symbiote off. And then later on, they're just like really tearing each other apart because we see like a lot of the human host exposed, both Eddie Brock and uh, Riz Ahmed's character within the symbiotes. That's just a great shot. It's kind of like bullet time where they're, they're moving in slow motion, but yeah. the camera is panning around it. I feel like that will be a great shot. I think it's definitely still being worked on because like the human hosts within the parasites look a little uh, expressionless, expressionless. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would say that. 
But yeah, I think that's most of the trailer. Again, really love the look of Venom. Really like his demeanor and his scariness and his voice and everything about him. I'm excited by except for the turd in the wind line. But I'm still not convinced one way or another as to whether or not this will be good. So, yeah. And I don't think any trailer honestly is going to convince me until I see the film. Right. We'll, we'll find, find out. It's coming up soon. Yeah. So in regards to the turd in the wind line, that brings us to our question of the week. In your opinion, what's been the worst line ever in a Marvel or DC film? There's been a lot of bad ones. We want to know what you think was the worst. So go ahead and post your answer to our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at dynamicduelpodcast at gmail.com. We'll pick our favorite answer and draw that person a Dynamic Duel no prize that we'll post to social media. In other news... Uh, the rap just reported that Black Mask is the villain of Birds of Prey. Now, is that official? It's the rap. I, I think it is official. They wouldn't have reported on it unless they knew it was true. That's pretty cool news. That is crazy news. And that totally coincides with a plot synopsis that the blog Discussing Film gave a few days ago. Yep. Uh, it reads, after splitting up with the Joker, which is interesting in itself, uh, Harley Quinn and three other female superheroes, Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya come together to save the life of a little girl, Cassandra Kane, from an evil crime lord. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. I mean, that evil crime lord could totally be Black Mask, and that would actually be yeah. really, really cool. The rumors that were initially it was going to be them fighting David Kane, but Black Mask is so much better. He's so much more of an interesting villain, and the aesthetic, I think, is, is really cool. Yeah, definitely. But is it a Birds of Prey film? Does it sound like, like that style of film? It, it does, actually, because Black Canary has a pretty long history of, like, saving young women. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it sounds like a Harley Quinn film, but it definitely sounds like a Birds of Prey film. And what's interesting to me is that, you know, this mentions that Harley Quinn is splitting up with the Joker at the beginning of this film, apparently. Mm -hmm. In the Batman Arkham Origins video game, Black Mask was revealed to be the Joker, and it kind of led to like a pretty interesting sequence in the video game. And I'm wondering if they're kind of going for the same angle here. Really? Yeah. Oh, that would be so fascinating. Yeah, it was like the Joker was first appearing on the scene. It was the first time Batman was meeting the Joker. And so he like kidnapped Black Mask. He stood in for him. And uh -huh. then he kind of like revealed himself to Batman as the Joker. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Now, if we get a casting announcement for Black Mask, that's going to throw that whole theory out the window. Very true. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Now that they've announced him as the villain, I'm sure it won't be too long before we get a casting announcement. Right. If the casting announcement is someone like Doug Jones, who's just like like a performance kind of artist, uh -huh. then you know it's the Joker. Right. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I'm excited to see him. I want to see what the mask looks like. Oh, yeah. You know it's going to look cool. He's just a cool character. And a lot of, you know, other things have been confirmed, I guess, by this, you know, Cassandra Kane, Renee Montoya, uh, things we've talked about before, but it looks like those things are shaping up to be true. And it's interesting that they say Renee Montoya instead of the question, because they do describe her as a superhero. Really? In the synopsis. So. Interesting. I don't know if she's going to become the question in this film or if she will already be the question. I mean, if you have Black Canary and the Huntress, do you need the question? They all do martial arts. Except for Black Canary, who has, you know... The Sonic Scream. The Sonic Scream. Yeah, that's a good point. Seems kind of like redundant know. in terms of power sets, is I, what I'm saying, I guess. I think it's a diversity play, honestly, because she is Latina. And from what I've seen in the casting rumors, Black Canary, they are looking for, you know, like a blonde actress. And, and Huntress is Italian, but they're looking at uh, Alexandra Daddario for that role. They're hoping to sign her. Is she Italian? Is I it Daddario? Know. She might be. An Italian last name? She'd be fine in the role, I think. 
I kind of was holding out hope that she would play Rogue in the X-Men. Well, too bad. We'll see. Yeah. I think that does it for that news. Yeah. And the uh, other bit of DC news that we got actually today is that a Supergirl film is in the works at Warner Brothers. And it's being written by Oren Uziel, who wrote 22 Jump Street. He wrote like the Mortal Kombat web series and he's writing like the new Mortal Kombat reboot movie. And he also did, I guess, like the Netflix Cloverfield Oh, the Cloverfield Paradox. Yes. I still have yet to see that. I heard it was not good. Really? But 22 Jump Street was funny, but and it, I like the Mortal Kombat stuff. 22 Jump Street, though, was a comedy. Is Supergirl going to be a comedy? I wouldn't be surprised if they had a comedic element in there. It's Supergirl. Well, I guess we had a Supergirl film in the 80s that did not have Superman in it, but yeah. I think it would be pretty cool if you get to see that Superman-Supergirl relationship. Because I, I Absolutely. Think if you ask me, I think this is... Warner Brothers way of sort of rebranding Superman. Mm-hmm. Oh, because yeah, Supergirl is a great way to do it. Yeah, that. when I first saw this, I was like, damn it, it's still not Man of Steel 2, why? Yeah. But I, I think Jeez. the Man of Steel brand is kind of tarnished. So if you did Supergirl and you reintroduced Superman that way as this mentor figure, I think that's a way to do it. You know, it could be successful. Yeah, it introduces a lighter side to the character. Absolutely. Yeah. Who do you think would make a good Supergirl? Um, uh, who would I, oh, that's a good question. Uh, for me, Blake Lively for every role. Black Canary, Supergirl, everything. Just go the Blake Lively. It's going to be hard to top Melissa Benoist as Supergirl in the television show. DC, is, they're kind of doing the same thing that they're doing with The Flash, where they're going to have a Flash movie or a movie with The Flash and the TV show character as well. I hope it doesn't lead to further confusion. I'm sure a lot of fans are in an uproar about this news. But I, I still think it could work. I think I would cast like Natalie Dormer. That I still think she, I still think she needs to be in a superhero role. And I think, you know, she has that classic blonde look, but not so traditional looking, you know? Yeah. She, there's something interesting about her that I think appeals to a lot of people, including myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I would cast her. I wonder if they're going to go with the setup that they did in Man of Steel with like the open pod door that was open. Because, you know, we've seen Krypton explode. We didn't see anything, you know, any other ship come out of it. So I wonder how they're going to play that off. Because they can't use the Phantom Zone. Well, we know that in Man of Steel, like mythology, the Kryptonians visited a lot of different worlds and set up establishments and stuff like that. So you could easily have her come from one of those colony planets or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, who knows when we'll get story details for this. But uh, I remain optimistic. I refuse to be pessimistic. Why? Uh, Because... It's either laugh or cry. Are you not happy? Or are you just upset that they're making it before a Man of Steel sequel? Right. Gotcha. That's, okay. I mean, ultimately, every day I wake up, it's like, oh, Man of Steel 2, Man of Steel 2. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. So moving back to Marvel news, uh, a Craven the Hunter film is in the works at Sony. You know, Sony continuing this spree of Spider-Man villain-based movies that include Venom and Morbius. And I have to say that at first, actually, I was really upset because... That's right. Because both (laughs) Venom and Morbius have portrayed anti-heroic tendencies in the comics. You know, Venom had his whole lethal protector thing, and Morbius turned into a good guy where he's only drinking the blood of villains. But Kraven the Hunter, as far as I can remember, was never a good guy. You know, he was always trying to kill spider-man yeah i remember when i first texted you this news you were like no he needs to be in a spider-man movie 
Yes, absolutely. And and but the more I thought about it, the more I thought that by the time you see Craven take on Spider-Man, he already has this broad backstory of being a successful hunter where he's hunted all the most vicious animals throughout the world, right. you know. So, if they are able to take Craven and maybe put him in like in a most dangerous game situation where he has to hunt the most dangerous game, which is humans or something like that, uh-huh. you know, that might be a pretty good setup to then introduce him into the Spider-Man universe. Uh, Craven the Hunter absolutely does not work as a standalone franchise, right. whereas Venom might but shouldn't, whereas Morbius might but also shouldn't. Craven absolutely cannot stand alone in his own franchise. He has to be brought eventually into the Spider-Man fold. Yeah. So, yeah, do a movie about him, about his backstory, about all the dangers that he's experienced as this world-class hunter, but then put him in a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I agree. Or else, what the fuck? Yeah, I agree that the only way this works is as an origin story, because I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people to relate with a hunter, especially one that's killing, like, big game, like, lions and shit. So, yeah, when I heard this news... I'm still very, very apprehensive. I don't know why Sony would do that. Maybe they'll change it from like a hunter of big game animals to a hunter of humans. So he's just like an assassin character? Well, not necessarily. He's like a bounty well, hunter. Like what I just said is like maybe this is his origin as a hunter. Make it a most dangerous game situation where he yep. has to survive on an island by hunting the hunter, so to speak. And then yep. he maybe he goes from there. He like hunts a human and then gets such a thrill off of it that he has to keep doing it. And like maybe he's the guy that takes over the island and, you know, starts hunting humans for sport. Well, it's twisted. Yeah, but it might make a good movie. You did kind of sell me on it, though, with the most dangerous game. I totally didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only way I see this working. So, yeah, hopefully with all these uh, villain movies that Sony's creating, I hope to see like a sinister 12 movie eventually happen with Spider-Man. It's being written by Richard Wenk. Yeah, I guess he's written like the Equalizer 2 and the Magnificent 7. A lot of like action films. Yeah, I mean, they're decent films. So it's not as big of a question mark as maybe Oren Uziel, who's writing Supergirl. Yeah, we'll see what happens with this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So yeah, I think that does it for the news. Let's go ahead and talk about who would win in a fight between Raven and Phoenix. All right, Raven versus Phoenix. These two kind of all-powerful bird entity women. Telekinetic 
telepathic. Psychic. Yeah, they have a lot in common, I yeah. think. Yeah, they both have dark sides. And they both have really complicated backstories. It was really hard for me to wrap around everything that's happened to Jean Grey ever since, you know, she's been a superhero. Uh-huh. But uh, hopefully I did it justice. And uh, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and get into each character's backstory and let you know what their powers are. And then we'll go ahead and speculate on how we think a fight between them would actually go. Right. And then after that, we actually take the stats from each character and then plug them into a spreadsheet that we run a thousand simulations with using the Monte Carlo method. Yeah, which is a probabilistic model used to calculate uh, outcomes like like risk, and it's used for a video game AI. It was used by the Deadliest Warrior in the old Spike TV uh, show, which is sort of what this was inspired by. Yeah, basically what it does is it takes their stat number and then randomizes it along a bell curve and then compares the numbers to find out who would win. Right. So, yeah. Let's go ahead and get into the backstory of Raven. Cool. Okay. Hundreds of years ago, a group of humans led by a being known as Azar decided to leave our reality and create an interdimensional realm of peace and prosperity known as Azerath. There, they were able to mystically purge themselves of all evil and cast it through the great door in the Temple of Azerath into the interdimensional nether, where it eventually formed into an incomprehensibly powerful demon, Trigon. This demon emperor would go on to conquer numerous universes across countless dimensions, siring many children, all sons, in the hope of creating an heir to extend his evil even further. His sons either rebelled against him and were destroyed, or they were killed when others, sometimes their own mothers, recognized their evil. That all changed when a woman in our dimension around our time, named Angela Roth, ran away from home and joined a satanic cult. In one of their rituals where they tried to summon the devil, they summoned Trigon, and Angela was raped and impregnated by him. Jeez. Knowing his offspring would be safe on the pacifist realm of Azerath, Trigon manipulated their priests into finding Angela and caring for her in their realm. Raven, Trigon's first daughter, was born in Azerath, and her birth signaled the emergence of a great evil as the realm's emerald skies turned black and its gossamer smell turned to brimstone. Sensing Raven's power to control emotions, Azar, ruler of Azerath, decided to take it upon herself to raise Raven and denied her the ability to feel or express any emotion in an effort to help her control her power. As Raven grew, she felt her father's evil growing within her. When she turned 18, Raven entered the Temple of Azerath and opened the Great Door. Behind it was Trigon. Seeing him for the first time and sensing the evil and danger he represented triggered Raven's soul self to emerge in defense. Knowing the pacifists of Azerath would not be willing to help her stop Trigon, Raven fled to her mother's original home of Earth, where she sought heroes to help her cause. She was turned down initially by the Justice League at the recommendation of Zatanna, who sensed Raven's demonic parentage. So she brought together her own team of young heroes known as the New Teen Titans. The Teen Titans were eventually able to defeat Trigon and seal him in an interdimensional prison with Raven's mother Angela, now known as Arella, acting as Trigon's guard from Azerath. But because Trigon still lived, Raven had to continue to suppress her powers and emotions. Over time, Trigon's power grew and he was able to fully corrupt Raven and destroy Azerath, despite the Teen Titans' best efforts to stop him. Together, Trigon and Raven conquered Earth, reimagining it as a hellscape of bone and rock. 
the Teen Titans fought Raven and were forced to kill her, though this allowed the spirits of Azeroth's Fallen to possess Raven and channel their combined power to kill Trigon and restore the planet. Raven was reborn, purified and free from her father's influence, though also weakened from the battle. She left the Titans after this and wasn't seen for a while. A Trigon-worshipping cult known as the Church of Blood emerged after the demon's conquering of Earth and, led by Brother Blood, they sought Raven's whereabouts. Raven's mother Arella and Nightwing also searched for Raven independently. Brother Blood eventually found Raven and was able to brainwash her due to her pure and still weakened state. Nightwing had been investigating the Church of Blood while on Raven's trail, and Brother Blood used Raven to help capture and torture him along with her mother. That proved the Church's undoing, however, as seeing her mother tortured awoke Raven's wrath, and she destroyed Brother Blood. Soon after, Raven turned fully evil once again and began seeking new hosts in which to implant Trigon's seed. She crashed the wedding between Nightwing and Starfire, and impregnated the alien princess. Starfire called off her wedding to Nightwing and returned home to the planet Tamaran. Dark Raven was defeated by the Titans after she also implanted seeds within them, but it turned out the initial seed Raven implanted within Starfire was actually her good self. When the Titans defeated Raven, her good self was able to emerge as a golden, pure spirit. Her healing spirit wandered the planet until it was captured by a new, young brother Blood who transferred her into the body of a young woman, intending to make Raven his bride to fulfill a prophecy that would start Armageddon. A new group of Teen Titans led by Robin Tim Drake stopped the wedding, rescued Raven, and welcomed her to the new team. Later, Raven learned that some of Trigon's sons survived and became the embodiment of the Seven Deadly Sins. They kidnapped Raven and used her as a portal to revive their father Trigon, who had slowly been resurrecting himself. But once they encountered him, his sons instead siphoned off the last of his fledgling power, which interestingly made him proud. Raven overcame her brother's influence thanks to help from her teammates, and she and the Teen Titans were able to defeat her brothers, destroying the last remaining traces of Trigon. Until the New 52 at least. Then what happened? It almost played out the same way, except Raven actually did accept her role of becoming Trigon's heir and actually helped him like enslave dimensions and stuff. Oh geez. Yeah, until she came to Earth. And then she had like a change of heart, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, uh, power-wise, Raven is able to physically manifest her dark soul, known as her soul self. With her soul self, which is often projected as a raven bird, she can attack offensively, gather covert intelligence as her soul self can also move intangibly, levitate and move objects, including herself, kind of like telekinesis, and create teleportation portals. She's a powerful empath, capable of sensing and manipulating the emotions of others, and thanks to her demonic heritage and mystical upbringing, she can manifest and manipulate magical energy for a variety of uses, most typically to aid others in healing. That's Raven. So her soul self possesses this energy that she can manipulate for a variety of purposes, including like construct generation and telekinesis and portal generation. Is that essentially it's it? It's not really construct generation. No? No. Because I've seen her like in the cartoons and stuff, like create like dark scissors and shit like that. Yeah, there's like a lot of liberty they take with her powers in the cartoon. Because to me, she seemed like a Green Lantern. Yeah, she's not like a Green Lantern. No. No, her primary powers are essentially her empath powers. But she does use her soul self for quite a bit of uses. 
So it's like more like energy blasts kind of thing. She can do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or like a tractor beam. If you've seen her like ever like levitate something in an orb, that's her using her soul self. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So basically she has telekinesis and empathy. Empathekinesis. She's an empath empathic. <laughs> I don't know. Empathekinesis. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look up that real word. Empathokinesis. 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 That's what she has. Okay. All right. Um. Pretty interesting though. I, yeah. I, I like her backstory. How like she's like born of evil, but was raised good, but was still manipulated by the dark side, and yeah. then kind of jumped back and forth between yeah. the two. She definitely has like this internal struggle, pretty much during her entire history of being good, but being pulled towards the dark side. Yeah, I would say that Jean Grey also has that kind of internal struggle, too. Yeah. Not between good and evil, but more, you know, a struggle to balance her awesome power with a normal life with the people that she loves. Mm -hmm. She's one of the most powerful psychics in Marvel, and I think she's a good exploration in what it means to have too much power. Like, if with great power comes great responsibility, with too much power comes great burden. She's one of my favorite X-Men characters. So Jean Grey was born in Annandale-on-Hudson in New York to John and Elaine Grey. Her mutant psychic abilities first manifested when she was 10 years old, playing outside with her friend Annie, who was struck by a speeding car. Oh no. The trauma activated Jean's telepathic powers and she experienced Annie's emotions as she died. As her friend's spirit left her body, Jean's mind briefly transcended the physical realm, which attracted the attention of a cosmic entity known as the Phoenix Force. Oh well. The Phoenix Force is a manifestation of psychic energy representing all life in the Omniverse. Intrigued by the young mutant's potential, the Phoenix Force kept an eye on Jean as she grew. She became depressed and withdrawn due to her friend's death and her inability to control her new telepathic powers. Her parents consulted a psychiatric specialist who referred them to Professor Charles Xavier. Professor X informed Jean that she was a mutant. He blocked her telepathic abilities until she was mature enough to handle them and worked with her for several years in how to control her telekinetic powers. When Professor X felt Jean was ready, he recommended to her parents that she join his new school for the gifted, a cover for a secret team of mutants known as the X-Men, who would fight evil and help fulfill his dream of harmony between humanity and mutant kind. Jean was one of the team's original members alongside Cyclops, Beast, Angel, and Iceman. She proved to be a valuable team member in battles against the likes of Magneto, the Brotherhood of Mutants, and the Sentinels. She also grew romantically close to her teammate Cyclops, who shared her feelings, but was naturally antisocial and reserved due to the destructive potential of his optic blasts. Professor X felt she had grown enough to begin training her telepathic abilities. On one mission with the X-Men that took him to an orbiting space station, Jean piloted a space shuttle back to Earth during a solar radiation storm. While the team was shielded, the cockpit was not and she began dying of radiation poisoning. Oh. Jean sent out a telepathic call for help and the Phoenix Force manifested in front of her. Compelled by Jean's love of Cyclops and the X-Men, it offered to save the team and heal Jean's body. The Phoenix Force placed her in a comatose state surrounded in a cocoon of healing energy. It then absorbed a portion of her consciousness and took her form. The shuttle crashed into Jamaica Bay and the Phoenix emerged from the water, with Cyclops and the rest of the team having no idea that the woman they thought was Jean was in actuality this cosmic being with her consciousness, while the real Jean lay in suspended animation, recovering deep below the water's surface. 
Things went fine for a while as the Phoenix Force relished in the experiences of human emotion, deepening Jean's relationship with Cyclops. It used its vast power to fight the reality-altering mutant Proteus and helped an alien race known as the Shi'ar save the universe by repairing the Macron Crystal. Unfortunately, in the Phoenix's hunger for a human experience, it was easily manipulated by an elite mutant social group known as the Inner Circle of the Hellfire Club. They convinced it that they killed Cyclops, which broke any influence Jean's consciousness had over the Phoenix Force. Oh. Angry and wild, it turned into the Dark Phoenix and flew into space. As the Phoenix Force represented life and creation, the Dark Phoenix was pure destruction. It consumed a star that destroyed a solar system, including a planet home to 5 billion sentient beings. The Shi'ar attempted to destroy the Phoenix, but the X-Men, still believing it to be Jean Grey, came to its defense. Jean's consciousness managed to revert control over the entity, and realizing what it had done, destroyed itself in front of Cyclops in a blast that scattered its fragments across the Omniverse. One of these fragments went into the future, attaching itself to Cyclops and Jean's future daughter named Rachel, who would later go by the codename Phoenix. Another fragment went into the clone of Jean Grey, made by Mr. Sinister named Madeline Pryor, who had a child with Cyclops that would become Cable. Uh, listen to our Booster Gold vs. Cable duel for more information about that. Yeah. The real Jean was still in the underwater cocoon, oh my gosh. her full consciousness in a realm called the White Hot Room which is the home of the Phoenix Force, where all life resides before it's born. It was in this realm that the Phoenix began reconstituting itself to be reborn, and where Jean merged with it to become Phoenix's avatar. Her body was discovered by the Avengers, and she emerged from her cocoon and reunited with Cyclops. The original members of the X-Men branched off the main team and formed X-Factor. During this time, Jean helped raise baby Cable. She and Cyclops got married, and on their honeymoon, they were transported into the far future to continue raising Cable after his infliction with the techno-organic virus Biopocalypse. In the future, they also met an elderly version of their daughter Rachel, who died during their stay. No. On their return to the present, Jean took up the codename Phoenix to honor her. She and Cyclops became the leaders of the X-Men and co-headmasters of the school after Professor X became powerless after unleashing a psychic villain known as Onslaught. Jean was later captured by Apocalypse in his bid to siphon the power of 12 of the Earth's most powerful mutants. Cyclops saved her and the team by merging with Apocalypse during the absorption process. The X-Men defeated Apocalypse, but Cyclops was believed to be dead. Jean eventually found him alive in Egypt, his mind struggling to assert itself over Apocalypse's psyche. She was able to help Cyclops gain control, but the experience left him grim and distant. Their relationship became fractured especially as Jean's attention was focused on her new responsibilities as headmistress of the school, and Cyclops began a psychic affair with Emma Frost. Yeah. Soon after, Jean was killed by a mutant named Zorn who was impersonating Magneto, who sent an electronic pulse through her that caused a massive stroke. As she died, Cyclops apologized to her and she forgave him, understanding that they had grown apart. It wasn't long after that that the Phoenix Force returned, emerging from the White Hot Room prematurely, still missing many fragments among the Omniverse. Dying from an attack by the Shi'ar, it resurrected Jean from the grave in an attempt to use her as a host to save its life. Jean resisted and she and the Phoenix Force fought for control of her mind. 
She was convinced that without her, the entity would destroy the planet in anger. So she fully merged with the Phoenix and said goodbye to the X-Men again, as she went back to the White Hot Room to gather the missing fragments among the Omniverse, including those from her daughter Rachel. The one fragment of the Phoenix Force did enter the first mutant child to be born after the events of House of M, a child named Hope Summers, who was rescued and raised by Cable in the future, and eventual host of the Phoenix Force. During the events of Avengers vs. X-Men, the reconstituted Phoenix Force returned to Earth and was used by Hope and the Scarlet Witch to bring mutants back into the world. The Phoenix prepared to be reborn again with Jean again oh as its host, but Jean took control of the White Hot Room and commanded the Phoenix to be rid of her. She's currently back with the X-Men, completely free. Good. <laughs> Holy cow. Powers-wise, Jean possesses superior psychic abilities with both telekinesis and telepathy. As a telekinetic, her mind projects a psychokinetic force that can manipulate objects in ways such as levitation, propulsion through the air, or disassembly. She can create concussive blasts and protective force fields. Over time, Jean learned to control her telekinesis to an extent where she could stimulate air molecules to generate heat. Her telepathic powers give her broad access to opponents' minds that are in moderate proximity. She can read minds, psychically communicate with minds, sedate them, erase them, alter them, control them, and so on. She can create psychic blasts that don't hurt physically but cause mental pain. She can also create psychic shields to help protect her own mind and project her consciousness into a psychic realm called the astral plane to do psychic battle. She's like way more powerful than Raven, so you're fucked. Oh my gosh. Wait, is she still called Phoenix? Uh, no, she's known as Jean Grey in the comics currently. Uh-huh. But I mean, like, she still has some of those abilities because she was able to control the White Heart Room and reject the Phoenix. So, and I think commonly she's known as the Phoenix. At right. least that's what I personally like to call her. I never liked calling her Jean Grey or, or Marvel Girl. Marvel Girl, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, to me, she is Phoenix. So that's what we're going to refer to her as. When we refer to Phoenix in this speculative battle that we're about to talk about, I'm not talking about the Phoenix Force. I'm talking about Jean Grey. And Jean is not going to have the Phoenix Force in this match, correct? Correct. Okay, cool. No, you wouldn't have a chance. I mean, the Phoenix Force is able to destroy entire solar systems. You know, uh, the Phoenix Force can literally actually destroy the universe. It wouldn't be fair to you. So can Trigon. And Raven is Trigon's daughter. Yeah, but she's not Trigon, so there you go. If this was a match between Trigon and the Phoenix Force, Trigon would win. That's all I'm saying. I don't think that's true. This doesn't seem like it's going to be very much of a physical match. No, but that'll make it interesting. Like, we'll see where this goes. Okay. So when we talk about the speculative battle about how we think the match will actually go, what we like to do is uh, start the characters 50 yards apart in an environment that has no effect on the battle itself. Because we don't take stats for the environment, just the characters themselves, we like to say that they fight in, like, no environment, basically. Yeah, the environment is too much of a variable because some characters can win in certain environments and have a disadvantage in another. Right, exactly. The characters know that each other are threats, but they don't know anything else about each other. Correct. And that's the way we start these things off. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. So 50 yards apart, they appear on this no environment battlefield. Who makes the first move? I think they start by both scanning each other, you know, Jean Grey telepathically and Raven empathically. Well, how do you empathically scan somebody? All, All that would reveal to you is what their emotion is. Whereas Phoenix's psychic scan of Raven she would be able to, you know, learn everything about her, her history, her powers. Nah, you know. 
based on the old X-Men cartoon, she would just scan her and be like, oh, a demon brain, and then just like fall in like some kind of like orgasmic oh, sound. I mean, it's possible that she would have trouble psychically interacting with Raven's mind, considering that it's not human, that it is a demon. So yeah, you're right. She's not going to have an easy go of it, but I think she would at least be able to get some information such as how to block Raven from emotionally manipulating her. I don't I don't think that's the case at all. Oh, that's absolutely the case. I think this match starts off with Raven making uh, Phoenix like severely depressed where she just like wants to get into a ball in a fetal position and just cry. And then that's when Raven just goes up to her and blasts her. Yeah, and then Phoenix reaches out to Raven's mind and then makes Raven just like super depressed where she curls up into a fetal no, position. No, she can't control and- emotions. She's a telepath. She can control emotions. She has the ability. Okay. Well, I, I think Raven could put up more of a mental fight than that. I mean, in, in the New 52, at least, you know, she she has been shown to be able to read thoughts and, and, like, broadcast her own thoughts as well as, like, scan and alter memories of others. So she has telepathy. I guess. They don't call it telepathy. It's like she has psionics. Okay. Same thing. All right. So all we know is that they're both trying to make each other depressed, I guess. What a weird (laughs) fucking way to start this match. I think Phoenix is going to be like, all right, now, yeah, enough of this. One of her psychic abilities is that she can detect the presence of another mind within her own. So she's going to push that out and then uh, do a psychic blast at Raven that attacks her psychically, but not physically. Right. So it's going to hurt her. It's going to like give her like a a headache. It's going to cause her psychic anguish. Okay. Then, uh... So Raven's like, ah! Okay, then Raven counters with her soul self, and she fires it at Phoenix, and it hurts her. Is it a kinetic force, or is it an energy? It's an energy. Her soul self. Yeah, energy. And so she manifests this black energy bird that flies into Jean Grey, or how does it hurt her? Does it affect her psychically? What does it do? Uh, it can attack physically, like sort of like what she does with her telekinesis. So like it can cause like solid physical pain or it could affect people emotionally. Oh, okay. So she shoots this, this bird at her and then like knocks Jean Grey back. And then like, I guess Raven's going to press the attack with her soul bird or whatever it's called. Soul self. Um, yeah. So Jean Grey is going to throw up a telekinetic force field to block the bird. But again, this is empathic. I said telekinetic force field. The soul self can't be blocked by telekinesis. It can go intangible. It can go intangible. Oh, it can? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so she learns that. She throws up the telekinetic force field. And it goes right through it and blasts her. And then attacks her again. Yeah. So then she sets up a telepathic force field around her. What? Yeah. She could create, like, psychic shielding to protect her from any outward psychic influence. Okay. But this is also physical. Well, and then she throws up uh, telekinetic slash telepathic. Go, it can go through that. Yeah, but it can, yeah. So so the physical part of Raven's bird can't go through the telekinetic part of Jean Grey's shield, and the psychic part of Raven's bird can't go through the telepathic part of Jean Grey's shield. I don't know about that. She's able to create full shielding against this bird. But again, the soul self can go through objects. So why can't it go through a telekinetic shield? The, the psychic part of that bird could go through a telekinetic shield, <laughs> but not the physical part of it. You can't set up a shield for something that's intangible. Yeah, you can. Psychically, you can. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> and then she creates her own psychic bird that it attacks Raven's energy bird. Okay, so as she sees the fiery bird coming towards her, Raven summons her soul self back to her and forms a, a portal. Uh-huh. Raven goes through the portal, and Raven appears behind Phoenix, 
and then like does this magic based blast with her magic yeah but see now Jean Grey can sense Raven's mind behind her so uh, she would still get hit by the magic blast though yeah but at that point she's like done fucking around she's like she's like oh god she has magic I, I have no psychic defense for magic so what she's gonna do is use her telekinesis and just break Raven's arm no oh, shit psychically Raven's arm is broken now. okay Raven's arms is broken but then she's just like Azeroth Metrion Zinthos and does her healing magic to heal her arm she has like healing spells yeah yeah, you did not say that, dude. I totally said that in my breakdown of the character in her in her power list. She's often used to heal her teammates. Dumb. <laughs> okay. All right. And then that's when Raven goes like full demon mode and like she spreads her soul self like around the entire environment, so it's all black. So and so it's all complete blackout, and Phoenix can't see so, shit. So Phoenix knows that some shit's about to go down. So she reaches out to Raven's mind, and pulls it out of her body and they both go up onto the astral realm oh shit that's when they go to the astral realm oh shit we're taking this to the astral plane isn't that an environment no well uh, no it's, it's like gonna an, give her an, an advantage it's a non-environment that you can manipulate okay but in the, this it, is a really hard match in the astral plane she could kind of do anything that she wants provided you know that she has the strength right it's like you're limited by your imagination right exactly and Raven's imagination is really fucked up. So you don't want to take this there because you will regret it. Raven's like, I can do anything. I sense that I can do anything. And she just creates like this. What do you mean she senses? She doesn't know where she is. She's like, where are we now? And then Phoenix is like, you're in my world. And she like grows like huge. And she looks like the Phoenix Force itself. Yeah. She becomes this big fiery bird. Okay. That just totally swallows Raven up. No. Whole, okay. And so burns her alive. As Phoenix, you know, creates this huge firebird self. Raven and swallows this, her whole. Raven's and, doing the same thing with her dark Raven form and swallowing her whole. Yeah, but no, except that Phoenix bird could get even larger no, and no, swallows no, her no, whole, no, no. and it burns this, her mind alive. This is the astral plane. Like, uh, you could do whatever you want. Ravens could get just as big as Phoenix's. What's Raven's weakness? Uh, her father. Okay, so uh, Jean Grey creates a psychic projection of Trigon. Okay. And and, and Trigon's like, Sh shrink that Raven down. I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> what is Phoenix's weakness? She doesn't have one. Bullshit. Really? <laughs> she doesn't have one. What? What are you gonna do? In the cartoon, she was like, ah, all the time. Well, that was Just the cartoon. Psychic turmoil. Ugh. Okay, then Raven's like, oh, I'm your significant other Cyclops, and I'm boning Emma Frost. Just aren't these bad memories? Don't you feel bad and depressed? It's back to depression. <laughs> <laughs> They're both reminding each other of the horrible memories of each other's past. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you remember your friend who got hit by a car? Here it is again, like 50 times. Raven's dark like that. Well, you, you remember that one time uh, your dad said he hated you? There it is, a billion times. <laughs> this is going nowhere. It is possible that Raven could escape the astral realm using a portal. Is it? I would think so. Okay, so she does that, and then while Jean Grey's still like in the astral realm, like, look, like, where did they go? Because it's so dark, because her farm was so big that she doesn't know that Raven left. That's when Raven just like punches her right in the face. Right in the face. No, because she has a telekinetic shield. Oh my gosh. All right, let's go ahead and run the stats and the simulations and come back with a winner. Cool. 
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. This was a tricky match. They're very comparable. But there are some key differences here. I mean, they, they could both almost essentially like accomplish the same feats, just like in different ways, though. Right. You know, like Jean Grey can manipulate others telepathically, but Raven could do it emotionally. Jean Grey could send people to the astral plane. Raven can absorb people into her soul self. There's a lot of similarities. Right. I think some of the key differences were, though, power-wise, that Raven is able to teleport, whereas Jean Grey is not. Yeah. Raven is also actually able to heal herself. With like a healing factor, whereas Jean Grey well, with is a not. healing spell, yeah, with a healing spell, yeah, yeah, she has those magical abilities. It made a difference in the stats. Uh, they kind of went tit for tat though. Like Raven can teleport, but Jean Grey is a little bit of a better fighter. You know, Raven pretty much doesn't fight at all physically, right? Because um, she was raised in the pacifist society of Azeroth, right? If it ever came down to hand to hand combat, though, Jean would win. When it comes to psychics and DC, for some reason they have like this unlimited range. So, like, if they were able to put distance between themselves, it seems like Raven could be able to affect Jean Grey no matter where she was. And yeah. with especially with her portals, that makes her especially dangerous against Jean Grey. Whereas, you know, without Cerebro, without the use of Cerebro, there is a physical limit to the distance that uh, Jean can use her psychic abilities. Right. So, very similar, you're right. But, yeah, a few key differences are what is going to decide this match. I went ahead and ran the stats, and we have a winner to announce. Are you ready to hear it? I'm a little nervous because the stats were so close. I really want to win because I want to show up all those X-Men fanboys. Why do, like, hate, why do you hate X-Men fanboys? What's because what? they're X-Men fanboys. And I'm like, DC. You guys hey, don't even know X-Men DC. fanboys say, say, fuck you. <laughs> Especially because no. uh, Raven won. Yes! Yes! 694 matches out of 1,000. 69.4% of the time. Raven will beat Phoenix in a head-to-head fight. It makes sense. It makes sense. I think you were saying X-Men fans say fuck you because you lose. I was like, no. We just say fuck you in general. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a tough break for Phoenix. Um, I really thought Phoenix was going to win this one because of her superior telepathy. Mm-hmm. But Raven has, has a lot of psychic tricks up her own sleeve. And it really wasn't enough to overcome the things that Raven was able to do that Jean was not. Yeah. But yeah, it was a good match. You, you know, it was a it really, was a fun match. I liked really, that. These characters are really comparable to each other enough so that I might even call Raven a ripoff of Jean Grey. <laughs> you know, the X Men were inspired by Doom Patrol, but I would say like for a while, Teen Titans was outselling the X Men. There's a rivalry there, and it was it was during Raven's run. 
Yeah, I think one of these days when we start getting into like team matches, we should do a Teen Titans versus X-Men fight because I think that'll be pretty interesting. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I just think that'd be fun. You would have to limit your X-Men team to like five members. Yeah, there's so many (laughs) X-Men out there. Yeah, but I'd have to, yeah, come up with an even match for you. But yeah, that does it for this episode. Again, Raven beat Phoenix. So fuck this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's so lame. It's a notch in the DC book. um, Yes. but, But trust the stats. Trust what we tell you as truth. I don't like it any more than, you know, you Marvel fans out there. I like it. I'm sure I the like DC it a lot. fans are just loving this. So, <laughs> In our next episode, we will be reviewing an animated film that came out for DC a few weeks ago. It was released on Blu-ray and DVD. It was called The Death of Superman. Right. It's one of a two-part uh, animated... Uh, what's the two-parter trilogy called? <laughs> Duology? Uh, du- duology. Duology. It's two-part of a duology. Uh, the second part of it is... <laughs> that gonna- sounds weird. <laughs> It's going to come out later on uh, next year, but we're going to review the first part now, and it should be interesting. The Death of Superman, I, it's been getting great reviews from other sources, so I look, kind of look forward to watching it. Yeah, if, if you haven't had a chance, it's been out for a while. I think it's available to rent here shortly, soon, so maybe check that out. Yeah, I think that does it for this episode. Don't forget that you could go to dynamicduel.com to get links to all of our social media accounts, as well as a link to our Patreon account. Uh, where you can get access to all of our bonus content. And our merch store, where you can buy t-shirts and mugs and whatever you want, uh, featuring some of our no-prize art and some original art as well. Yeah, subscribe to the show, tell your friends about it, tell your friends to tell their friends about it, tell the friends' friends to tell their parents about it. (laughs) Just everyone. Everyone should know about the show. Please help us make that happen. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Up, up, and away. True believers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.